good. God is good. I feel like we've had church already. But don't get too excited. Lock the door. No one's leaving yet. It's, you know, and I want to tell you, honestly, I mean, it's so... I, I appreciate those of you who have, you know, toughed it out and, and you've come in this room. We are gathered. This, if this is not a testimony as it relates to when people are gathered in the name of Jesus and we're spiritually bound and we touch and agree, the power is exponentially increased. Amen? It, it is, it's, 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 you could feel the difference. Now, Michelle and I have a lot of experience ministering to small groups. <laughs> this, was, this would have been a big group when we were on 5th Street for a little while. Amen? But I do appreciate you all being here and I, I just know that the Lord has already done a work and He'll continue to work in us. Amen? Amen. And to those of us who are listening either live or recording, thank you for listening. And I know that the Lord will bless you as well because His Word will not return to Him void. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to continue. I, I really do believe that you know, as we started last week on following Jesus, I think that we're going to continue on that message. And just to bring everybody up to speed, um, if, if you want to, especially those who may be uh, at home and you may not have the advantage of seeing some of the scriptures that we'll have up, uh, most of the textual reference will come from John 21 today. John 21. And as you're flipping, I just want to remind some of you who maybe didn't hear the message or weren't uh, blessed, you can go back and listen to it recorded. Um, the Lord did bless us, and most of the text last week came out of 1 Thessalonians. So I just want to go back there and just by, by way of review, speak a little bit to where we are right now. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, we give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing uh, your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and Father. Knowing, beloved brethren, that your election, knowing your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit in as much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in, in much affliction, with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all of Macedonia, Achaia, who believe. For from the word of the Lord has sounded forth, and not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place, your faith toward God has gone out, so we do not need to say anything. Now, again, that's a lot of words, but listen to, listen to what the Apostle, or further, the Holy Spirit is saying to, through the Apostle. He's saying, you know, you received it, and it's evident that you received it by the actions that you're taking. So much so that it's so, it's so evident that you received the gospel that we preach to you. It's so evident that people around you know it. We don't even have to preach to them about the gospel. They know because you're living the word. And, and so look what it says. It says, you became followers of us and of the Lord. Now remember, I told you that that word comes from the Greek word, which we get our word, mimic. And, you know, imitate. And remember what I told you in sharing from my own heart that, you know, to me that could be, you know, negative. It has a negative connotation in that I may be able to put on the show or mimic, not the real thing, but I could mimic that. I could imitate that. Are, are you with me? 
right? But that's not really how the Apostle has, has meant this, obviously. That's not how the Holy Spirit... He's saying that you mimicked us. You looked just like us when you suffered the same persecution that Jesus suffered, that we suffered. When you suffered the persecution, you looked like us. That's how we know that this is real, that this is assured. Are you with me? So that's where that word comes. You followed us. You, you mimicked us. You looked just like us when you were being pressured, when you were under the gun. When you, man, when it was coming tight, you looked just like we did when we were being persecuted as we're being persecuted, and even the Lord Himself as He was being persecuted. Hallelujah. So in that regard, it's very positive. What do we look like when we're under the gun? What do we look like when we're being pressured? Amen? So, then, uh, further, and, and some of these won't be on the board. Again, this is just for, you know, kind of bringing us all up to speed. In Matthew was one of the scriptures that we were in. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, this is chapter 4, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said, Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. Now, remember, in that word, that Greek word that that's coming from, remember, as I showed you last week, that meant, like, come up behind me. Follow me, come up behind me. And remember the example that I used, uh, you know, it's kind of like when I was trying to follow Michelle in the car. I didn't know where I was going, but I know that uh, she knew, and so I was going to follow her until she ditched me. And then I'm on my own. But Jesus didn't ditch anybody. He let them come. Amen? And then in Luke 5, 27, after these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. Remember Matthew. Sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he left. Matthew left, rose up and followed him. Left everything and followed Jesus. Amen? So now the reason why I'm giving you these, my brothers and sisters, that word, follow me, that's, that comes from the Greek word that most of what you'll read in the New Testament and the Gospels, that's the one. And that means to be in the same way with. That means to accompany. Not, not just follow behind me, but come up next to me. Come up with me. Let's go, we're going all in the same way, the same path of life. We're following it the same. Come with me. Come my way. This is the way. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? We, can, we, we don't have to see the visible Jesus. We don't have to see the body of Jesus. We have His Spirit in us. And He has given us His way in this Bible. He's given us His way, and we follow that way. He says, follow me. And so we're following the way that He has already uh, blazed a path for us for that He's already set the example for, and He's already given us what we need on the inside, and He accompanies us as well. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. But that's most of the time when you see follow me, that's the words, the Greek word that it comes from. Now, we ended up uh, last week, y'all, with, uh, with Peter as an example. And now you remember, um, Peter, um, he, he, he gave up the net, he followed Jesus. But then remember when Jesus went through all that He went through, and he was arrested. Peter followed at a distance. Yes. I want to read to you and remind you of Matthew 26. This was after Jesus was arrested and he was you know, taken to the house of Caiaphas. Those who had laid hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance. That same Greek word, followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard. And he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Peter followed at a distance. I want to, you know me, I mean, I like to show you, I'm a visible. 
So now I've told you about this, and for those of you who don't have the advantage of seeing, you're just listening. I've got this little, um, um, what is it, a license plate frame. Thank you, brother. A license plate frame. And I bought this because, I don't know about you all, but I do not like when people ride up right on the back of me. And they do it often. Even when I'm going the obligatory five miles an hour above the speed limit, they're riding right on the back of me. Now, sometimes, I've got to be honest with you, the old Tony rises up and wants to just give them the stink eye and, you know, maybe, or just hit those brakes just one time and let their heart climb to their throat, lickety-splitting in a hurry. But I can't do that. I belong to Jesus. So I did the next best thing. I bought this, and it says, do you follow Jesus this close? So now, you can see all y'all in the room, and I apologize to those of you who are listening. Man, if you're able to read this, then you are way too close. And if I hit the brakes, both of us are going to experience a bump. But here's the point, my brothers and sisters. Look, this is, we should be following Jesus closely. In, that, in, in this scripture, it ministers to me. It's, it, it's speaking to something. In those moments when Peter was following him at a distance, and he was going to see how this was all going to end up. You know, how many times in my life do I'm, am I following at a distance? And then what, as a result, what happens when he was tested, when he was questioned even by a little girl, he, he couldn't defend himself except to just panic and say, I never knew him, to deny him three times. Why? He wasn't following him close enough. He was following at a distance. He was waiting to see what would happen. I'll do that so nobody runs up the back of me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus let them know prior to that what was going to happen. Peter didn't have to, you know, kind of look and and wait in fear and follow at a distance to see what it is that would happen, did he? So my brothers and sisters, we know the outcome. Jesus rises from the dead. Things change. But do they? They change. Jesus appears to his disciples on more than one occasion. Today in John 21, we're going to look at uh, the third occasion. In John 21, the chapter uh, begins where Peter, Peter (laughs) says, I'm going fishing. Now many of you have heard me speak on this before and I know some of you don't even need to hear me speak. You understand. You know, Peter and, and the rest of the disciples, even though they've seen him alive, they're still not really sure what happens next. They may have been like most everyone else and thought that, well, when the Messiah comes, that you know, he's going to restore the kingdom on earth and maybe there'll be a Davidic kingdom. We'll no longer be under Roman subjugation and something will happen here on earth in the immediacy so that you know, our, every, everything will change for us right here, right now. It did, spiritually, but they didn't totally understand that. So my belief is, my personal belief is, that now it's been a matter of days, and at this point, probably about 40 days, and so now they're thinking, okay, well, now what? I mean, he's back, he, he rose from the dead, and, and, but, but now what? And Jesus wasn't with them 24-7 like he was prior to that. He's visiting and making himself visible to others as well. 
So Peter, okay, what do I do? I've got to go back and make a living. I've got to go back and feed my family. I've got to go back and, you know, what, what, what do I do? I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm going fishing. And so there were others, John being one of them, the Apostle John. We're going with you. And there were about, in all, there were seven of them. So they go fishing. Doing what they're, <laughs> what, what comes natural to them. What their livelihood was. What, how they grew up. Amen? Even though of all of the experiences that they've had over the last three and a half years, including seeing him alive after he was put in that tomb dead. So we're going to pick up right now in, in verse 15 of John chapter 21. Actually, there's something I left out. When they're fishing, they're fishing all night long. They don't catch anything. And these are guys that knew that lake, that Sea of Galilee, like the back of their hand. That was, that was what they did. That's what they knew. So they fish all night. It's breaking dawn. And they don't have anything. So there's somebody that yells to them from shore. Hey, do you have anything? Nah. Throw the net on the right side. And we know what happens. That net gets full. John says, it's the Lord. Peter jumps out of that boat and gets himself to shore to get near where Jesus is. The rest of them pull this net in. And the Bible tells us specifically that there were so many fish that they counted them. Now, some may say to you, well, you know, it was 153 large fish and that means something. And Well, if you want to go ahead and try to figure out the Bible code and what those numbers mean, go ahead. I just know in my heart and I know according to the Scripture, he was saying, wow. Wow. There were a hundred and there were so many fish that they counted. There were so many fish that they counted. They, they filled the net with fish and it was someone who was a fisherman who had to take note of how many big fish there were in this net. 153. Awesome. Well, those numbers mean something. You know, to me, you know what I, when I see that? They were fishing all night long. These are men who knew that lake. These are men, that was their livelihood. They're catching nothing. Then in the morning, when they're, it's, it's, it's time to clean it up and it's time to go home, they have somebody yell to them from shore and say, throw it on the right side. They throw it on the right side. They catch so many fish that these experienced fishermen who have done that their whole lives have to sit back, take note, count the fish, and wow! That speaks to me. True prosperity, my brothers and sisters, comes from Jesus. If I want to prosper in the things that I do, if I, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people who don't acknowledge God, who don't acknowledge Jesus, and they have a lot of rich, they're, they're, they're rich, and, and they've got a lot of money, and blah, 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 and they have things, and they have, but they don't have everything. In Christ, I have everything. Do, do I need to have 153 large fish in a net? If I do, then He'll provide it. Come on now. Do I, do I need to have a, a house with blah, blah, blah? If I do, then He'll provide it. If I'm looking for anything or anyone else, if I'm looking for another source, maybe I'll get it, but when I get it, it's not going to be the thing that fulfills me. When I get it from Jesus and I continue to walk 
following Him, those things continue to add to my fulfillment. These things continue to add to my spiritual blessing. I acknowledge the spiritual aspect of them. And then when I know, when I've got 153 fish, I can't possibly eat all of those 153 fish myself. I know that I've been blessed so that I can share it with somebody else. Hallelujah! And that's what happens when you're following Jesus. I am blessed to be a blessing. I am prospering so that I can help others to prosper. Hallelujah to God. That's what that means to me. So, you know, if you want to go ahead and do the math and you want to go ahead and try to figure it out and all that, well, maybe you're a lot more spiritual than I am. All I know is that Jesus is my provider and when He provides for me, He provides the things that I need to fulfill His purpose and plan in my life. And that's what brings me ultimate fulfillment. How? Not temporary. Eternal. Hallelujah. So now let's go to verse 15. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to them, Follow me. Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray right now that not another word passes my lips that doesn't come from you. Father, I pray grace over the hearers right now. In Jesus' name. Father, let us understand totally what it is that you're saying to your people. And Father, if there are any who are skeptics, any who are non-believers, Father, let the power of your word penetrate even the hardest parts in their hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So now we're going to break this down just a little bit. John 21, again, now in verse 15, you see what he says. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Here's something that stands out to me immediately. He's not calling him Peter. He's not calling him Cephas. He's calling him his original name. Simon. Simon, son of Jonah. Do you love me more than these? That's, that's, I think that's noteworthy. More than these. What's he talking about? Do you love me more than these fish? Do you love me more than your boat and your equipment? Do you love me more than... What do, you, do you love me more than these other people? I'm, I'm convinced that's what you, you... Do you love me more than these people? And, and the reason why is, let's go back in Matthew 26, and there's, in the other Gospels, there's similar um, accountings. In Matthew 26, verse 31, Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Look, those guys may sell out, but I will never sell out. 
I care for you more than they do. I'm tighter with you than they are. I got your back, they don't. Come on. Me, me, me. I've got this. Now, that question to me makes a little bit... Peter? No. Simon? Do you love me more than these? The ones that you said, even if they stumble, you're not? Hallelujah. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know, you know. You know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. So now, when Jesus asks that question, and I know many of you already know this, but for some of you that maybe you haven't been and you haven't studied the Greek, when Jesus says, do you love me? He's using the word agape, the root word is agape, agapos. Do you agapo me? And when Peter answers, he says, I felice you, I I phileo you. See, there's two different words. He's saying, Peter, do you love me of your own volition, your own will? Are you committed to me? No matter what, are you committed to me? Do you love me of your own volition? And, and, And Peter's answering and he's saying, you know, I love you like a brother. I love you like a close friend. Okay? So now, this, this has bothered me for a long time. And, and then, you know, as I've meditated on this, my brother says, here's what I've, I've come to the conclusion. When this Bible was written, or when, these, uh, when John penned this, he penned it in Greek. But the language that was being spoken at that time, when Jesus and Peter are speaking together, they're speaking in Aramaic. So now... John, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, he has to write the best Greek words that he can to describe the situation. So, I don't think that necessarily, it's not like, Peter, like Jesus was saying a totally different word, and Peter was saying the opposite or a derivative or anything like that. I think what the Holy Spirit was doing in John, he was giving him the words to say so that you would note the, the nuance of what was going on, that, that there was actually there was something just a little bit deeper going on over there. So while Jesus was saying, according to the scripture that we're reading, while Jesus is saying one thing, Peter's saying something else. It didn't happen that way. Remember, they were speaking Aramaic. It might have been the tone. It might have been the inflection. I want to tell you all something. You know what? If they tell me to close this church again, I won't do it. I'm not going to... Listen, I don't mean this ugly and I don't mean this to fly in the face of anybody. I will obey the laws of the land and I will do everything that I can to make sure that people are safe. There's no question about it. But my brothers and sisters, there's something different that happens than when when we're together. I am so thankful to the Lord that we have the electronics that we have and right now there are many people who are going to listen to us and you know and and, and when when you go home you're going to listen to your second favorite preacher probably this morning cuz you know you're listening to number 1 right now no, I'm just teasing no but but so and there are many people who are going to be listening to the many different ministers and get different perspectives and all that but be careful because there are some people that are sending some stuff that just, I mean, it is, there, it is just wacky what's going on out there. So it's, it's important that we come together. And when we come together and we can see each other's faces, I, I, I love seeing you, and we're in each other's presence, there's a different, we're made, listen, we are made for relationship. 
We're made to come together. And the Holy Spirit is right in the middle of us when we come together. That's important for us to come together. So much so, as the Scripture tells us, when we see that day approaching. I'm going to tell you something. If you don't think that that day is approaching, you are spiritually blind in one eye and can't see out the other. I'm telling you something. That day is approaching. So it's all the more that we should be meeting together, coming together, and praising God together. Enjoying the fellowship of the Holy Spirit amongst each other. And see, so, so what am I saying? What I'm saying is when, when John, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, is, is in proximity and hearing this conversation, he's getting the little bits and pieces and he's seeing and, and feeling what's going on in that moment when these two men who definitely, genuinely love each other, of course Jesus loves Peter unconditionally, even though Peter denied him, and, and Jesus is expressing this, and Jesus is trying to, he's trying to restore Peter. But Peter, Peter, yes, you know I love you. Peter, knowing what has already transpired, yes, you know I love you. Are you feeling me? My brothers and sisters, so I, I, I look at that and I say, well, Peter, how would you, I mean, how could you say a different word than what he's saying and expect that there's going to be... No, he's, he's saying, I love you, but he's saying it with a certain tone or inflection or a different presence. Are, are you with me? Now listen, I am not trying to add to or take away from the Scripture at all. But I just know that they didn't speak Greek that day. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen? All right. He said, you know I love you. He said, then feed my lambs. You know that I love you. Okay, if you do love me, phileo me, even if you love me like with a familiar love, like the Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, that's where that word comes from, phileo. Friendship, um, family, familiar love, right? This affection that you have. Yes, I know that you have this affection for me. I know that you feel like I'm a close friend. I know that. So if that's true, if you love me that way, then feed my lambs. If you love me that way, then there's going to be a certain action that you're going to take. And here's the action that I'm calling you to, Peter. Simon, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. A lamb is a young sheep. Jesus is the great shepherd of the flock. We're his flock, right? He says, feed my lambs. Feed my young sheep strengthen and and nourish them. Give them strength and nourishment. Give them the Word of God. See, uh, let me read to you. Therefore, this is 1 Peter, and it's it's amazing to me. 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby. Peter, give my lambs pure milk that they may grow. Peter, do you really have this affection for me? Then you're going to feed my lambs the pure milk that they need to grow. Listen, Peter, they don't need any taglines, any fancy sayings. They don't need, you know, anything like that. They don't need the show. 
They don't need that show. The show won't make them grow. The taglines and the, and, the, and the sayings and the smooth catchphrases and all that, yeah, okay, it, puts on, it, it may keep them interested a little bit, but what is going to truly nourish them, what is truly going to make them grow is the pure milk. The pure milk is going to make them grow. Hallelujah. See, now, so I, I, you guys, I, I just tell you everything, which is not necessarily always a good thing. However... And I hope uh, my children, my other children are listening, Rachel and Mitch and, and, and my granddaughters. I hope they're listening. But you know, we were blessed that they, they came and visited with us last night and, and we ate together. It was awesome, an awesome treat. And Mimi, Grandma, got to hold uh, the babies with the mask on, of course. And so we took care and she got to feed them. And I was taken back. I mean, you know how it is when, and many of you have raised kids or you've taken care of kids. Man, you know, that bottle... <laughs> I mean, those babies are going like crazy, man. And they're growing too. Thank God. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your prayers. Awesome, awesome children. And they're, man, they're, they're not, I mean, I don't even know how they're breathing, to be honest with you. They're taking up that milk so feverishly, for lack of a better word. And it's working. <laughs> they're growing. And I'm, but I'm just taken back by that. Look at that, how they desire that, how they have to have it. And, and when they're not getting it and they want it, they're letting you know, ain't they? I heard them last night. Them babies, when they were hungry, they sure let everybody know it. Hallelujah. And I happened to, you know, Mitch was sitting across the table from me and he, he was holding one of the babies. And I think it was, I think it was, I don't want whatever I say is going to be the wrong one. But I'm just going to say, I think it was McKinley. But I noticed that, you know, Mitch is trying to kind of eat a little bit and, and hold the baby and comfort the baby. And I just was teasing with Mitch a little bit. I said, Mitch, looks like she's eyeballing your plate, brother. <laughs> And, of course, Mitch smiled and, and laughed about it. But my brother and sister, as I was meditating and as I was thinking about this message, this morning, I'm thinking about that, and then I come across that scripture where, and I knew what scripture I needed to put in there. Because, man, we should, we, those babies needed that nourishment. They don't need any, uh, any kind of filler. They don't need, you know, something that just to keep them quiet. It's not going to nourish them. Yeah, we may give them the pacifier. Every once in a while, the pacifier's in there, and that's just what it does to pacify them. Man, I don't want to be the kind of preacher that gives you something just to pacify you, just to get you by. You know what I'm saying? No, no, no. You need the pure milk, some of you. And some of you need the solid food. You need the meat. My brothers and sisters, I can't do that. We can't do that. We shouldn't do that. Man, we should be desiring the pure milk. You don't need me to come up here and give you some fancy catchphrase or tagline or let you leave out of here thinking, oh, wow, you know, oh, whatever it is. Man, you need the truth because only the truth will set you free. The problem with some of us is we've gotten some of those fancy taglines, you see, and we've heard some of those speeches and some of those things that sounded good and they may even fit with the Scripture, but they weren't totally based in the Scripture. They had no faith behind them. They had no real structure, no foundation of the risen Christ behind them. So then we are still walking according to those things that back there. We can't, man, we are so wanting to escape that stuff from the past, but it keeps coming up on us. All of those people that abused us. All of those things that happened way back yonder. All of those things. When I was growing up and they said this to me, or, or this happened to me, or I was never able to, I was always a little guy, I was always too big, I was, whatever it is, all of those, those things. I've had this, this failure, that failure, the other failure. They've been, listen, if we want to be free from all that, you don't need something that's a tagline, something that makes you feel good. You don't need a pacifier, you need a pure milk. Hallelujah to God. 
Verse 16. He said to him again, Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Do you agape me? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. You know that I fleece you. I phileo you. You know that I love you like a brother. He said to him, tend my sheep. Tend my sheep. So here's something slightly different. See, we went from the the lamb, the baby sheep, that one that that needs that milk to, to grow thereby. And now he's saying, tend my sheep. So as I'm contemplating this, as I'm, I'm reading this, and I'm saying, okay, Lord, well, three times, I know everybody says it's three times because he denied him three times. Okay, and the, the restoration is a process. Do you see what's happening here? This process. This process, it's, it's going to be a process. And evidently it's not easy because Peter is getting a little bit, yeah, Lord, you know that I love you. He's, he's answering questions, but he's responding just with a little bit of different tone and tenor than Jesus is presenting it. Are you with me? So now he's, Jesus is saying, if you do, if you love me like a brother, if you have this affection for me, then tend to my sheep. So I'm, I'm thinking, what is, what is he, what's the difference here, Lord? Be a shepherd. Be a shepherd. Tend to the flock. Tend to the sheep. And all that that requires. So I thought, okay, well, what does a shepherd do? The shepherd protects the flock from all the danger. The shepherd leads the sheep into pastures where they can have peace. Right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right? Come on now. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still water. He restores my soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! The Lord is not just simply my taskmaster. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is tending to my knees. The Lord is leading me. So Peter, if you love me, then take care, attend to my flock. Tend to the sheep. Make sure that they're taken care of. Make sure that they're led by the still waters. Make sure, Peter, that you give them pastures where they can experience some peace. They don't have to have one eye looking down at the grass and the other eye looking sideways waiting for the danger to come. Peter, tend to my flock. Peter, this is very specific in the New Testament, y'all. And if you read Peter's epistles, he's, do not let those wolves come in amongst my sheep. Do not let those wolves. Who were the wolves? Those false teachers. Come on now. And we have plenty of them. That's the one thing, man. That's why I'm telling you, it's real great. We got all of this internet stuff going on and we got everybody and his cousin preaching and teaching and all this other stuff. We've got them coming down from the mountaintops and giving you this fresh and new revelation. Okay, that's good. But let's just make sure it lines up with the example that he's given us. This Bible, this word, this written word that follows the living word. Amen. Hallelujah. Peter, tend to the sheep. Guard them. Make, guide them. Make sure that they experience some peace, some fellowship. Don't separate them. You're going to have different sizes, different shapes, maybe some different colors, but they're all my sheep and you tend to them. Let's make sure there's no divisions among them. Am I adding to the, to the Word of God? No. The Apostle Paul says there should be no division among you. So why should we think it would be any different than the word that Peter got where he's saying, tend my sheep. No divisions among them. No wolves in sheep's clothing. No false doctrines. No fancy taglines. 
just the pure milk of the Word, and then we'll get into the meat. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Don't let them wander off. Don't let them wander off. Verse 17. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you fillet us me? Now he said it. Okay. If you love me like you say you love me. Not like I say. If you love me like you say you love me. Come on now. See, he, Jesus has been using that as, as John describes it to us, as the Holy Spirit through John describes it to us, the tone and tenor of what Jesus was asking the first two times is, are you totally committed to me? Of your own volition? I mean, you're committed. That's it. You've made up your mind. You're committed. And Peter answered that other way. Yeah, I love you. But you also... Oh. I'm about to explode. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you fillet on me? Do you fleece me? Peter was grieved. Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? Now, that word grieve means he was hurt. He was upset. So again, my brothers and sisters, many of us, I know that a lot of you have studied Scripture before you've heard many messages, right? But now this morning, I'm, I'm thinking about this, and I'm not, again, I am not trying to add to or take away from the Scripture. So hear what I'm about to say. I'm just speaking to you from my heart, what the Lord ministers to me, how I relate to this. And maybe some of you do, and maybe some of you don't. But I'm just, I look at that and I say, okay, Peter, why are you hurt? Are you hurt because he's asking you three times? Or are you, asking, are you hurt because he has to ask you three times? Difference? Are you with me? Do you love me? Do you phileas me? He's again. So I relate it to my own life. All of the victories, all of the things that God has done in my life, Jesus has done in my life, supernatural things. First of all, He met me at an altar and He saved me. And I knew that things were different from that point on. I knew it. I, when I heard his word, I knew that I had to change. You know, my, the course of life, even though I thought I was a nice guy, and I, you know, I knew God, but I just knew of him. But I, I thought I was a nice guy. The good's going to outweigh the bad, and I'll be okay. Because basically, I'm a nice guy. But then, when I heard that word, you see, and you heard my testimony, and so I knew that something changed. Right? And then, I start learning, and I start walking. And then, there are some of those victories that I've had when, when God has ministered something to me and I followed His Word and I follow His command and I see some results and I'm thinking, wow. Or when He baptized me with His Holy Ghost and, and, and tongues came out of my mouth and I, that I didn't even know what I was saying. I just knew something happened and I was, I'm speaking in this language. And then another time something happens and I hear somebody speaking in a tongue and God says, this is what they're saying. I'm thinking, oh my man. Is this... This can't be God. Is that? Are you? Is this you, or is this just my heart? And 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 He's burning in me, and I know, so I have to say it. Or then when He calls me to the ministry, I'm thinking, uh, what do I know? I'm nothing. I'm. But He call, and then, but then He works it out. And then people give their hearts to the Lord, and I'm I'm I'm. God uses us to pray for people and and to and to minister Jesus to them, and I'm thinking, wow, and all of these. But then something happens. 
Something didn't turn out the way I thought it should. I, I'm getting this pressure, and my pressure isn't from people saying, you know, uh, denying him, denying his name. I know there's people in here, you take a lashing before you deny the name of Jesus. You, 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 I, I know there, there are some of you in here, and I know there are a lot of under the sound of my voice. Man, it ain't about that. It's about, man, my children are sick. I'm praying, but I don't see something happen. I need to see it now, Lord. So I start praying differently. My attitude changes. Man, I start to hear a little bit of voice whispering to me. Man, you need to just get them to more doctors and you need to just get them more medicine. I'm not preaching against that, so hear my heart. I'm just talking about Tony's condition. I'm just talking about what Tony goes through. Some of these victories and some of these sure enough agonies that I've experienced and I'm thinking, Lord, now I'm, now I'm in, in Peter's shoes. Do you love me? Do you phileo me? Do you agape me? Do you phileo me? Do you, do you love me? And I think, Lord, I, I know I love you, but man, I've got these faults and these failures. And so, maybe Peter is hurt and upset, but maybe he's not upset with Jesus. Maybe he's upset with himself. I'm saying, I'm not telling you, thus saith the Lord, and I'm not trying to add to or take away from the Scripture. I'm just telling you the spiritual gymnastics that I'm going through. And I'm thinking, that could be me. So Peter responds. He says, Lord, you know all things. You know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. You know all things. What's he say? Lord, it doesn't matter what I say. You know everything. And you certainly know how I feel about you. You certainly know the type of love that I have for you. There's no sense in me making any pretense or gushing in this moment over you or making you feel like the word that you're using, the same attitude, the same connotation of love that you're using toward me, is that I'm going to just fake it and go right back at you. Lord, you know. You know everything. So I'm just, let's just be real. I love you. I love you. But I failed you. I love you. Then Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. So tend to my sheep. Feed my sheep. My sheep are going to continue to need nourishment. Now, we're not talking now about the little lambs. We're talking about the rest of the flock. They're going to constantly be in need of nourishment. Again, no pomp. No circumstance. No great taglines. Listen, no business models to grow the flock. I, I, I wasn't sure what I was going to do this or not, but I'm, for, a while back, a few years ago, we, we, there were two opportunities that we had to meet with, uh, to merge with churches. A while back, the, the first time, it looked like it could be a good opportunity. We had done uh, a ministry together a little bit, but it looked like it could be a good opportunity for both. And, you know, Michelle and I were praying, and then, of course, our core group, we were praying, and, uh, but I sought counsel. 
And so I went to a pastor friend of mine who I respect greatly, huge ministry, but and he's ministered for so long, and he, he and his wife, they're the real deal. I mean, they are truly uh, ministers of God. And um, so I, I sought him out to, to seek counsel. And so I went to him, and we met, and I kind of gave him a little gist of you know, what I was talking about, why I, I wanted to meet him, what I was seeking. And it was, it was just really good. He's got such wisdom, and I really uh, respect him. He said, Tony, he says, let me ask you something. I said, yes, sir. He said, uh, do you want me to be totally honest? And I thought, that, of course, you know. But, it's, but then I, I paused and I thought, okay, I need, he's going to hit me square between the eyes. And this might be just what I need as a brother and a pastor. You know, he might be telling me that I've got this serious fault, this serious issue, and I need to... So I hesitated just for a little bit, just for a little bit, not because I didn't want to hear it, but I was just trying to figure out what does he mean? Because I know he's not going to lie to me. So what does he mean? So I'm thinking, okay. I said, Pastor, let it rip. Hit me square between the eyes. See, I need the truth right now. See, I need to make a critical decision right now. If you sugarcoat this up for me, if you say something just to, you know, so that we stay friends, or you don't want to offend me, it, it might not do me a lick of good, and it's certainly not going to help the people who I'm trying to shepherd right now. I need an answer from God. I need something. I sought you out for wise counsel. I sought you out because you're experienced with God. I sought you out because I know you know the Word. I've heard you preach the Word. I know you're speaking the truth. I know that you're not sugarcoating it. So I certainly don't want you to sugarcoat it right now. Tell me what I need to hear where God can have His way and we could prosper according to His plan and not mine. He let it rip. But it wasn't that bad. You know, I, I was, okay. I, I thought, you know, my mail is wide open anyway, so if God's got more mail, let me see it. But it wasn't that. It was something else. And I, but, I was, but I received wise counsel. But I, it was only wise counsel because the one who was giving it was not afraid to say the truth. I needed to hear what thus saith the Lord. Peter's in this situation, my brothers and sisters. Jesus already knows. But Jesus is taking him through this process. See, I've been through part of the process. I'm still in the process. How about some of y'all? We're still in the process. And sometimes the process stings me just a little bit, and sometimes I grieve, and it's because of the things that I've done, not because of the things that the Lord has done. And that's not just saying something because I know I don't want the Lord to strike me down. No, it's truth. It's sure enough truth. I get grieved when I think back of some of the things I said, some of the things that I did. And I'm not talking about like cheating on my wife or anything like that, but it doesn't matter. Because when I lose my patience with my wife, when I say something in anger to my wife, isn't it the same thing? So I look at some of those things and I think, man, what a dope I am. And I'm supposed to be like Christ. Tony, do you love me? Yeah. I love you. Okay. Feed him. Do what I've called you to do. Do what I've called you to do. There's not anything that any of us have done that he can't forgive. 
But we've got to be willing to be honest in order for this process to have the outcome that he's called for. We have to be honest and go through the process. Even when it grieves us, right? So listen, tell me the truth. You love me, Peter? Yeah. Feed my sheep. Am I messing with something up here? Feed my sheep. Don't give them the pomp and circumstance. Don't give them the candy cotton, the cotton candy. Don't give them all of that. Give them the sure enough truth. And certainly, don't try to impress them with this revelation that you just got when you were up on the mountaintop because you didn't make it to the mountaintop because you're a man just like they are. Don't try to impress them with this divine revelation, this new revelation. God is doing a new thing. No, God is still waiting for us to catch up with the old thing. Hallelujah. I can't handle any more new things. <laughs> oh, I, just give me a couple more minutes, please. Max, you're being so good. I appreciate it, brother. You're being so good. I want to read to you from Hebrews right now. And, and, and please, just give me a little bit of time. Beginning from uh, of, uh, chapter 5, verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you should have come to you have come to need milk and not solid food. See, you, you, you were in the process, but something happened. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, dead faith toward God. My brothers and sisters, we need to, there are many of us in this room that have experience. And we're in the process, and we may be in different places in the process, but we need to be honest with ourselves. And when Jesus says, Tony, do you love me? I love you, Lord. I'm committed. I'm committed. It's, this is it. Whatever you say, Lord, that's what I do. And, the, and don't you know the enemy of your soul is going to do everything that he can do to distract you and to pound you? Didn't, listen, didn't Peter have all of those experiences with Jesus that were so, who do they say that I am? I say, you're a Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hasn't revealed to you, but you've got revelation from God, my Father. You've got revelation from heaven. How about this? Jesus, if that's you, let me come to you, walking on the water. And Jesus says, come on. He steps out of the boat. No one else stepped out of that boat. Peter did. But now some... Peter Peter may have had a chip on his shoulder. Maybe he was trying to prove something to everybody else. Maybe he grew up in a house where his brother was the one that was lauded over. 
Maybe he was a short guy like me. Maybe there was something, he had something to prove to everybody, and that's why he was the first one to open up his mouth. He was the first one to brag. He was the first one to say, no, 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 you're not going to go. I'm not going to let it happen. Get behind me, Satan. Because you're not mindful of the things of God. You're mindful of the things of man. But no, it was Peter. If that's you, Lord, let me come. Come on. And he starts to do it. He's walking on the water. But something happens. Something always happens. Doesn't it seem that way? We're right in the middle of a spiritual blessing and something happens. We made it to that. We feel like we finally got it. I heard a word. It was confirmed when I went to the preaching today. I heard that preacher and and I was studying the same thing that he preached out of. The Holy Spirit confirmed it in me. God, thank you so much. And then all of a sudden, something happens. And it distracts us. So all of a sudden, the waves came up, the wind blew, and Peter forgot that the living Word of God was standing in front of him and said, come on. Would Jesus have said, come on, if He meant for him to drown? Of course not. Doesn't it say in Romans, how who He who gave us His Son not freely give us all things? If He was willing to take death, a torturous death for us, why should we even shudder at the thought that He's not able to provide us or He's not willing to provide us anything that we need? How can we even think that? My brothers and sisters, but see, Peter is looking and then the circumstances come up and he takes his eyes off the Lord and forgets that that's the Word out there. That's the Word. My brothers and sisters, we can't forget what the Word says. The Word, the Word. Follow the Word. We need to follow the Word. We follow the Word. We follow the Word. When we follow that word, we are free. The enemy is going to distract us or try to distract us from what? Uh, The word. The word. Come on. We got to follow him so close. So close. When that wave comes up, later for you, my eyes are not coming off of him. Later for that. Come on now. Come on. See, uh, oh yeah, it's easy to say I'm up in the pulpit right now. But what happens is, just like that church at Thessalonica. Right? Man, when you were persecuted, you looked just like us. Well, guess what? The only way for me to look just like Jesus is to follow him closely. Hallelujah. I'm going to follow him so close, they're not going to know the difference between me and him. I don't believe he just said that. Well, you better believe it because I did. I'm in him. He's in me. We're in God. That's his words, not mine. Read John chapter 17. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Please don't try to impress me. Let's just be real. 18. Most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you were old, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying but what death Peter would glorify God. Now, historians, Tertullian, Origen, uh, Eusebius, I mean, they, they document that Peter was truly executed in Rome. Uh, I think late, uh, like between 63 and 60-something um, after Christ, um, but he was hung upside down on a cross. He was he was uh, 
He was scheduled to be crucified and he didn't think that he was worthy enough to hang on a cross just like Jesus did, so he has to be hung upside down and they obliged him. So when Jesus spoke that word to him, he saw the end. What do you mean, Tony? You're going to follow me. I've just restored you. You're going to follow me. You've just been restored. Hallelujah. And when he spoke this, he said to him, follow me. My brothers and sisters, you want to be totally free from all of that stuff back there. All of the stuff that they're trying to throw against you right now. Follow him. Follow him so close that when they're throwing it, he's your shield. He's your buckler. Amen? That's, listen, I, I just want to say this, and then we're going to pray and go. I, I just want to say this. That's not just preaching words. That's not just words, uh, uh, again, one of those taglines or slogans. That's Scripture. He says that in Scripture, that he will be your shield. He will be your buckler. He's going to protect you. But you've got to stay close to him. You've got to follow him close. Close enough that you can read this, baby. Amen? Amen. God bless you for listening, but now I want to ask you something. Please. None of us are here by accident. And none of us listening, whether by recording or live, are hearing this by accident. So let's think in and of ourselves. Not because of what I say, but because of what Holy Spirit is nudging you about right now. Oh, and it doesn't have to be you know, it shouldn't be. Just remember, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. No condemnation. No. Conviction, yes. Because He loves you. And because He wants you to be on that path that He's on. Because He has this end for you. This end that is total fulfillment. He has it already waiting for you. Just like He knew Peter. Yes, you're, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going you're gonna to follow me. Jesus knows. He's got it picked out for you. Where are we? Where are we? Amen. So, Father, we love you again. We love you, Lord. We love you. And we know beyond any shadow of any doubt that you love us. Lord, I'm going to... Father... There have been so many times when I thought that I agaped you, but it was really flail. Lord, I pray because of your spirit in me that I'm able to truly understand what agape means, that I may be able to agape you always and without hesitation and without distraction that I may serve you according to your great will. Father, and not just me, those right now in this room and listening are praying some similar prayers. Lord, we're, we, we just want to touch you and we want you to touch us. Lord, change us. By your grace, Lord, give us the ability to love you and follow you close. Lord, I pray all of this in Jesus' name.
knowing that you are willing. And Father, we are willing to receive. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.